I was thinking about when I was younger, I played a lot of baseball. And one of my favorite things to try to learn how to do was to throw different pitches. One of the pitches that I learned my dad taught me was a knuckleball. You take take the baseball, dig your fingernails into the seam was the way I learned. And sometimes you can dig two in, sometimes three. I think I would dig as many fingers, fingernails into the seam as I could get in there. And then the idea is to throw the ball as fast as you can without any spin. And if it's going fast enough and it's not spinning at all, it does weird things. It'll wiggle, it'll drop out at the very end, curve downward unexpectedly. It's super hard to control though. So sometimes you throw a knuckleball and it just stays where it's supposed to if it has too much spin or it'll go really high or it's, it's just hard to control. But growing up there were some pitchers that threw knuckleballs and I was a big fan of of any pitcher that could throw a knuckleball and with control and often they would use it as their pitch where they really needed to get someone out and they were kind of in a jam you might see the knuckleball come out and then as I got older I played soccer and I realized that anything that you throw or anything that normally spins when it's going straight and fast enough like a soccer ball it'll also do the same thing unpredictable curving dropping out at the last minute because for some reason when a, an object like that is not spinning it does different things and of course the curve balls and other spins that you put on the ball can do other things but when a ball is is not spinning at all it does weird things unpredictable things and when you want to get a ball, a ball past someone like a soccer ball or a, or a pitch in a baseball game having control over what that ball is doing or making it unpredictable especially if you're shooting it at a goalie is a good thing knuckleballs are my favorite pitch Around the same time that I learned how to throw a knuckleball, I was looking through some old journals that I kept and remembering different things from New Jersey and looking at notes and things. And I had this radio kit that was like a kid's toy, but you built a radio and it came with an antenna that was just like a long wire. And where we lived in New Jersey, I was up in the corner, second floor, and one day I, I took the radio, stuck the antenna out the window, I think it was summer, and I picked up radio stations from like all over, all over the place. Not normal radio stations. And I don't know if it was AM, FM, but these were radio stations in Spanish, there were radio stations in German. I don't know how that works or how that's possible or what I'd have to look back and see what was happening but I'm fascinated by things like that underneath the general just surface of what's sitting right there in front of you you plug in the right filter you turn the right knob and there is another thing a universe 
sitting there waiting to be discovered. This is Todd Norman for Headmosh Podcast. Thinking about collections and how artists make collections of their work and then document it and show it to other people who sometimes put it into galleries, sometimes sell it to individuals, sometimes give it away, share it with other people. I'm wondering if the act of documenting and putting things into a collection is also a form of artwork. And just collecting our thoughts and ideas and even I've been trying to get into songwriting and figuring out how that works. You are gathering together all these elements and putting together the pieces to make something that holds together into a three-minute song, let's say. And we've talked about this before where boundaries are sometimes necessary in order to creatively push your project forward. So... If you're writing a song that's around three minutes and you're going to have a guitar part, a drum part, and somebody singing, you know, you've, you've limited yourself in those ways, but you've constrained your way, yourself in a good way. So if you're going to record it, you decide what you're going to record it with. You got your microphone, you record maybe the beginning demo part of it, then you maybe break it apart record the guitar part, sing over it with the singing part, and then add a drum to it. Or maybe you have three people and you practice it over and over until you get it where it's good enough to just be recorded all at the same time. And, I mean, visual art is different in that way, where maybe you're doing 30 paintings that all go together. And maybe five of them will get thrown out. But at the end, you're going to have 30 paintings that are with the same color palette. And they're the same size. And they're on the same material. So There's ways of limiting your collection or your ideas in order for them to fit together as a set of work. And some people are better at this than others. Some people don't do this at all. Some people just let their voice kind of be the thing that links all their artwork together. But thematically, things will emerge because you can't run away from yourself. There's nowhere to go. And sometimes you can use those constraints to just make sure that you have this body of work that would look like it goes together at the end and you can throw away the pieces that don't fit those are some thoughts today for art and making things hope you had a great day thanks for checking in